Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Sustaining Sustainability. I'm your host, C.B. Bhattacharya, Professor and Director of the Center for Sustainable Business at the University of Pittsburgh. Today, it is my great delight to say that I'm joined from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, by Leslie S. Hyde, the Senior Vice President and Chief Sustainability Officer for Coppers Incorporated, a global provider of treated wood products, carbon compounds, and chemicals. Coppers is committed to reducing its scope one and two greenhouse gas emissions by 50% by 2030, and are on track with a 48.2% reduction over a 2007 baseline. As of 2021, of their products by revenue are produced by a majority recycled, reused, or re renewable materials with a goal of 100% sustainable wood procurement by 2025. Last year, Hoppers was ranked as one of the most responsible companies by Newsweek for the second year in a row. Leslie, welcome to the show. Thank you, CB. Thanks for having me. Terrific to have you. Um, Leslie, as we get started, could you talk to us about Hopper's purpose statement in quotes, protecting what matters, preserving the future, end quote. What does that mean to you personally and how does it influence your day-to-day -day work? Well, uh, protecting what matters and preserving the future is, is intended to, to convey that what we do now impacts the future. So we should be very intentional about our actions today. And you know, we truly believe that when you protect the things that matter most, our employees, our communities, our environment, we are better able to secure Copper's future um, and help you know impact the world for the better. So this philosophy has influenced our path uh, to greater sustainability results by recognizing that central importance of 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 people, planet, and performance in everything we do. And it's a constant reminder that, that we're in service of something bigger than ourselves. It also helps to communicate to employees that their role is connected to the larger strategy of the company so that they feel empowered to help us improve. And gaining that, that involvement and participation of team members is something that, that we work on every day. That's terrific. Uh you mentioned in your 2021 report that you're shifting from measuring and goal setting to holding yourselves accountable to those goals. How are you working with your stakeholders during this implementation phase? Mostly we're working with our internal stakeholders at this point. And for us, that starts at the top, the board of directors. So our board of directors formed a sustainability committee um, in 2020. Um, to recognize and to provide oversight for this important topic. So they're very involved um, in understanding what we're doing and, and supporting and, and advising us. Um, at this next level down is our leadership council, which is what we call our top senior executives. Um, they are the decision-making body for sustainability. And so all the groups underneath them that are working on sustainability will bring decisions up to the leadership council um, um, for, for a decision. And that, that demonstrates leadership's um, involvement in the process, which we think is really important. Also, our three members of our leadership council lead 
groups within the sustainability structure of our company. And again, it's that hands-on approach from the senior management to, to, to in, in, in convey how important this is to the company. Then we, we wanted to bring this um, concept of sustainability into the company kind of from the ground up. And so what we have done is we've involved a lot of employees and we've done that by forming cross-functional teams around each of our material topics. Um, and those teams went out and researched the topic and researched what Coppers was doing now and came up with recommendations that we can do um, to, to impact each of those material topics. And those are forming our goals. So those recommendations were brought to the leadership council um, and, and approved. And we just recently at our global leadership conference in March introduced those to the company as a whole. And so now we have a, a set of sustainability goals that has been formed um, you know, from various stakeholders within the company. Um, and, you know, the company can now focus on on where we want to go from the sustainability perspective. Sounds like a really strong uh, governance structure, which is just quite incredible. Um, now, Coppers has set several, in quotes, zero harm goals in your sustainability plan. Why did Coppers choose zero harm as the way to frame the sustainability targets? The concept of, of zero harm arose out of our safety programs, and it was meant to convey that, you know, we would work hard to keep our employees safe, that that no number other than zero was acceptable when it came to injuries to our employees. And so that's where the concept of zero harm came from. Now, gradually, we incorporated that same concept across other facets of materiality. So... Um, you know, we have the safety and health of our employees, but we also have the safety of our, our neighbors and our communities. Um, and so that's the, the people uh, component of our sustainable, sustainability strategy. But zero harm also applies to environmental issues. So it means mitigating or, or eliminating our impact on the environment through emissions reduction, uh, responsible use or reuse of water, waste minimization or waste elimination um, and other, you know, greenhouse gas reduction, those types of things that that impact our planet. And so we're 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 expanding that concept of of zero harm uh, beyond just safety to other parts of sustainability. And we're really trying to work hard to instill that uh, that ethos of doing no harm into our culture. That's 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 really, really impressive. Uh, now, turning to the environmental side of things, uh, you've made a lot of progress on scopes one and two. How are you approaching that last 2% in the next seven years? And how is your approach on scope one and two similar or different from how you're approaching scope three reductions? So scope one and two, um, you know, those are those are the, the things that we control uh, as a company. Um, so we're at about 49% reduction since our baseline in 2007 uh, for scope one and two. Um, so just a little bit to go. Now, the, that that last percent or two is always the hardest to get. So what we're doing is focusing on um, reduction in energy use. We're doing that through energy audits, um, installing energy management systems so that you know we can find ways to reduce our energy use. 
Um, and we're also focusing on renewable energy. So in 2022, we had uh, several solar projects <clears throat> become operational um, to increase our renewable um, energy consumption. And we have a couple more planned for 2023. Um, now, we don't think solar energy is going to be, uh, you know, the end um, solution for, for coppers, but it's a start. Um, and we have a, a team, one of those, um, one of those cross-functional employee teams working to look at other ways that we can incorporate renewable energy. And then, of course, just training um, on climate change and impact reduction and why it's important that, you know, we, we try to reduce energy so that our employees understand what we're doing. Now, in scope three, we just started on scope three. Um, we just conducted our first um, scope three uh, screening uh, using 2021 as a baseline. And, you know, scope three is always more complex because we have we have to deal with the upstream and the downstream uh, partners uh, um, you know, of copper. So what we did was we leveraged an online evaluator tool called Qantas um, to, to get us the first approximation of our scope three footprint. And based on what we find there, um, we'll look at how we can how we can move forward. So we're currently re reviewing those results and and we need to um, work on determining our next steps. Very cool, very cool. Um, I mentioned earlier that 75% of copper's products are circular in, in, in some capacity. Could you tell us why circularity is important to your sustainability plan? Um, so 75% is actually, um, it's 75% by revenue. Um, uh, 75% of our products by revenue use renewable raw materials. So that's the front end of circularity. You know, we're trying to um, reuse materials rather than use uh, virgin materials. So I want to start maybe with a little history lesson here. So um, Coppers was actually founded in the early 1900s by a German engineer by the name of Heinrich Coppers, and thus the name Coppers. And Heinrich Coppers worked in the steel industry. And what he saw was that um, in the Coke manufacturing process, there was a waste that came off that process, a liquid waste um, that wasn't being used for anything. And it was just it was just disposed. Um, and so he came up with a pro process in that waste and reusing it to to create other products, other useful products. And so that was the genesis of the Coppers Company. And so I always say that um, circularity is in is in our DNA. You know, we still use that process today in some of our products. Uh, you know, the company has expanded, and we have other product lines. And so we work on circularity in those product lines also. You know, we reuse a lot of our waste and and scrap materials. Um, we use um, recycled copper in some of our our um, wood preservation materials. Um, again, we use the the uh, the material from the coke manufacturing process. We are um, we're working on using more sustainably sourced wood for our wood products. And on the back end, from a circularity perspective, we're looking at ways to reuse our products at the end of their life. And one of the best examples of that that, that we have right now is in our railroad group. 
Um, so they sell railroad ties, which when you preserve a, a, a wooden railroad tie, its lifespan goes from about five years up to about 35 or 40 years. So that in and of itself is a good uh, sustainability story, but they all, they eventually come out of service and you have to do something with them. And so what uh, we are doing is collecting those ties and um, we are researching a way to reuse them. So right now we're using them as fuel, um, replacing fossil fuels. Um, but we have our R&D group looking at ways, other ways to use them maybe as a biomass um, or, you know, a biofuel type of a, of, of a process. So that's, that's ongoing. And if I may follow up then, what is your approach to increasing circularity in your products? What's, what's, what's the plan going forward? Are, are you, do, do you see yourself as, you know, uh, 95%, 100%, uh, circular in your operations? So we actually have not set a goal around that. Um, our R&D um, uh, or research and development um, folks are always looking at new products and and looking at the environmental footprint of those products and how we make things, how we can make things last longer and be able to be reused at the end of their life. So this it's a really long-term um, um, perspective you have to take on this because you have to, when you're redesigning products, you know, that's taking time on the front end so that you have um, a back end option, you know, sometime in the future. So, you know, we're looking at it. We have not set a goal around it, uh, but it certainly is driving, um, you know, the thought processes of our, our R&D staff. Okay. Now, turning to Another challenging area for sustainability, which is communication. Communicating sustainability is a big theme for the Center for Sustainable Business this year. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about how you approach you know, writing and communicating your sustainability report to have an impact on your customers and your investors? So we see communication um, in a couple ways, it's it's important for us to communicate internally and externally. And so, starting with internally, we we do a lot of communication to um, to the company through videos, um, through uh, webexes, through live training. Um, you know, we have a we have a SharePoint site set up for um, resources for sustainability. Um, we you know constantly talking about it and and trying to find ways to to engage our workforce in what we're doing. So we think that's really important. Um, externally, we've been producing a, a corporate sustainability report since 2003. Um, now, the first one was only eight pages long, um, and I think this year's is closer to 80 pages, but, um, but gradually we have been um, improving the way we communi communicate externally. Um, so our sustainability report is um, is organized around the three pillars, what we consider the three pillars of of sustainability, people, planet, and, and performance. And it's organized around our material topics. So we talk about each one of our um, uh, material impacts and what what our goals are around them, and you know what our metrics are and how how we are um, how we we are performing. Um, we do report to um, GRI, we report to SASB, 
Um, we are getting ready to report to the European standard, um, the, the corporate sustainability reporting directive. Um, we're getting ready for the SEC to come out with their, um, their new rules around reporting scope three emissions. Um, so we're staying up with, we're trying to stay ahead of uh, what the regulations require of us to report. Um, but really it's about, it's about trying to get information out there in the best way possible. So, um, so you know, we, we do try to organize it around our material topics so people can see what's important to us and they can see what we're doing about those topics. Thank you, thank you for that. And this is a fascinating conversation, but unfortunately we uh, are coming to the close of our time. Uh, let me ask you one last question, which we ask all our guests. Uh, what call to action would you make to our listeners? So I, I think I would say that, you know, sustainability is everybody's responsibility. Um, you know, companies are are, are doing their part, um, you know, um, working on, you know, sustainability plans and all the things I've just talked about. But each one of us can impact this area also. You know, the biggest um emitter of of greenhouse gases is the transportation sector and so you know that's that's us all driving our cars so you know can we you know we can't all afford to buy an electric car but can we take the bus or can we walk or can we ride our bike you know can we turn off our lights when we leave the room you know what can we do to reduce energy use to reduce greenhouse gas emissions because it's going to take all of us to um to solve this climate um, change issue and and all of us have a part to play. Excellent. Thank you. Leslie Hyde, thank you so much for taking some of your precious time and spending it with us today. You're welcome. And before we sign off, my name is Kristen P. Ahern, and I'm the producer and editor of Sustaining Sustainability. I want to tell you about our next event on June 8th, where Professor Jennifer Smoklin of the University of Pittsburgh and a partner at Reed Smith will present a framework for navigating climate regulations for small and medium businesses. Head to bit.ly slash climate SMB, all lowercase, all one word, for more information, or check the show notes. We also want to hear from you. Let us know your thoughts in our podcast survey. Go to bit.ly slash CSB pod survey, all lowercase, all one word. The link is also in the show notes. This podcast is made by the Center for Sustainable Business at the University of Pittsburgh, directed by CB Bhattacharya. It is made possible by all our member companies. To learn more about our upcoming programs or about becoming a member, please go to our website or follow us at PittCSB on all social platforms. And if you liked this episode, please share it with a friend or colleague, since word of mouth is the best way for us to grow. And we'll see you soon for another episode of Sustaining Sustainability.